The sports pen lives here on ESPN. UP Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for being with us. It is National Signing Day, and players all across the country are putting the pen to the paper, and they are picking their next school of choice. We were at Westwood early this morning, and we had live coverage of it on our Facebook. You can check out that Facebook Live. I know the video's grainy. High school Wi-Fi, am I right? You can still get those interviews, hear some good stuff. If you missed them or you don't have access to Facebook, Internet, what have you, we're going to play them for you here in this segment. We've got a lot to cover today. We're going to meet a new friend of the show. We have NBA college football news to cover, a couple of woge bombs since we went to bed last night. But first, let's focus on the Westwood Patriots and those going on to play football at the next level. If you're unable to hear our interviews, check out our Facebook Live on our Facebook page. You can hear them right here. We'll play back our interviews from this morning and honor the Patriots heading on to play football at the college level. Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP with Westwood football head coach Scott Sergula. Coach, you got three guys moving on to the next level. I know they're a part of your first class here at Westwood. I know how special this is for you, but if you can, try and put it into words. Couldn't happen to uh, three better kids, in my opinion. Uh, they've been there you know, for each other, for their team, for their school, for their family, for me uh, since day one, since the first day I got here. There are three great kids. Tell me about the ways you've seen them grow as football players, as young men since day one when he took over. I, you know, they all had their strengths and they all had their weaknesses. And, uh, you know, what I think these three kids did a great job of was, you know, accepting or identifying their weaknesses and uh, working to grow as a person, working to grow as a football player. Um, all three are great, great students. And, uh, you know, I said since day one that I think that good people make good athletes. And uh, you got three good ones right here. Tell me about the way that this senior class has changed the face of Westwood football moving forward. Well, I, I you know, I, I think they kind of set the tone, um, you know, for us to get into the weight room and things like that. And I think more importantly, these are three kids that do things right. They do things right in the classroom. They do things right out of the classroom. They do things right on the football field. All three of them are three-sport athletes. Uh, and it shows that it can be done. And uh, today's uh, their reward for that. Scott Sergela, head football coach at Westwood. Congrats, Coach. Thanks for the time. Uh, thank you. Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP with Blake Hewitt. Just put the pen to the paper, committing to Michigan Tech to continue his football career. First of all, congrats. Looking forward to following your career with the Huskies. But tell me how this came to fruition, how you decided on MTU. Um, you know, it's just a great university. Uh, the degree is more important than football in my uh, in my view of things so it's a great school and I'm just looking forward to getting up there with you know my friends and getting really to work. Tell me about the coaching staff and how the recruiting process took its form and how uh, they ended up convincing you that MTU would be right for you. Uh, I just fell in love with the coaching staff right away they showed interest in me uh, at the end of my junior year and they stayed on me ever since and it made me feel wanted up in Houghton so I'm just really excited to be a Husky. At what point in your Patriot career did you decide you wanted to play football in college? Uh, probably halfway through my junior year when uh, Coach Sergio told me I was, had been recruited by uh, some other schools, and that's when it really like set in that I really want to do this. Tell me about some ways that you've seen the Westwood program develop over your time here and the legacy that you're leaving behind. Um, I wouldn't say it's a legacy just yet. We're trying, you know, Coach Sergio is still trying to turn the program around, and we just helping him guide the way, so... Uh, hopefully he can keep things going and you know the pro the growth that we've seen is just remarkable it's day and night you know we went from three or four kids in the weight room to 20 to 25 and that's really where you're going to make your money in football like do you have a favorite moment as a patriot doesn't have to be just football related but when you look back anything that's going to be special with you you take to houghton uh i just say every day in this hallway being a part of this community you know uh you walk through these halls and it's a real family-like mentality and I'll, I'll love this school until the day I die. Blake, congratulations again. All the best. Thank you. Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP. A chance to talk with Dave Bowes, principal of Westwood High School. Three young men signing their papers to head over to Michigan Tech and play football. Tell me about the opportunities you've seen for them at Westwood, how they've grown through their four years here. You know, the thing that stands out for these boys is they've just made this a better place to be. They're those kind of kids. They uh, make our hallways a better place to be. Um, you know, while this is, you know, certainly sports focused, that's 
these boys are just good citizens in a building, and that's been that's meant more to me than anything else. They've done a great job with the football program, changing the culture, wins, losses, but a lot other than that as well with the weight room, what have you, and community service, giving back. Tell me about some ways that you're seeing the football program grow and maybe a new legacy started here at Westwood. I just think these kids have had a, a huge impact on our youth and our area, so it's kept them in the weight room. Uh, these kids are looked up to by, you know, even my own sons. So it's made a big difference, I think, in that respect. And then they've learned how to work hard from watching these kids. I know it's nothing new for you seeing kids go on to college, but there's something special about the senior class. I know Coach Sergio feels the same way, but tell me what's uh, going to be the biggest thing you're going to miss about this year's senior class. Uh, just uh, they're fun kids to be around. You know, they, they kids that enjoy themselves. They uh, interact with adults. It's not uh, clicky at all. They're they're just a large group, and uh, they love to have fun. So, anytime you have a senior class, you have a that's like that. You have a better year in your building. Dave Bowes, principal of Westwood High School. Thanks for the time, as always, Dave. Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP. Chance to talk with Nathan Beckman. Just put the pen to the paper, committing to Michigan Tech to continue his academic and football career. First of all, congrats. Tell me why Michigan Tech, why you felt that was the program for you. Well, it's a great school. You know, they have a great academic programs there, a great football program there, I think. They have great coaches. And, you know, we have a great class coming in. There's a lot of guys I like, and I'm excited. Tell me about the campus when you took your visit up there. Tell me what you liked about it, what you're excited to start doing in the fall. Well, I love the campus. It's, it's a really cool place. You know, it's kind of got a small town vibe, kind of like here. I like that. And, you know, it's exciting. Tell me about some ways that you're proud of what you did at Westwood, maybe some of the legacy that you felt you're leaving behind for future Patriots. Well, you know, I'm proud. I think we've done a lot here. Our senior class has really kind of showed what, when you work hard, what can happen. And I think that, you know, when we're leaving the we left the path paved for groups behind us to come through and do the same thing. You, Sam, and Blake, at one point did you all start to realize you're going to do this together? Was that always kind of something you were talking about, that you might all go up there together? Well, I was hoping. You know, I was the first one to commit and decide. And uh, after that, they kind of started to show some interest, too, and they started to fall in place there, too, and it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Tell me about your new coaching staff, what you like about them, what you're looking forward to working with with them. Well, I like them. I think they're um, they're a really good bunch of coaches. They know what they're talking about. They know football, and you know they're they're easy to just talk to, have a conversation with, and I really like that. Nathan, looking forward to following your career. Congrats again. Thank you. Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP, a chance to talk with Westwood Athletic Director John Beckman on National Signing Day. Three Patriots continuing their academic athletic careers, what have you, at Michigan Tech University. I know it's always special for you, John, being able to send athletes on, but especially when one of them's your son. Tell me about this particular class and what you're excited for uh, to see them develop in the future. Yeah, this, this class has been special throughout their um, time here at Westwood High School. You know, these kids have been... Um, let's face it, most of them have been four-year uh, varsity football players. And, uh, you know, they took their lumps early and stuck with it. And uh, they made a commitment to the weight room. They made a commitment to the program. And this is, let's, this is payday. This is when everything comes to uh, fruition. And um, I couldn't be prouder of these young men for sure. Well, one of them being your son. As a father, tell me about your son's choice to go to Michigan Tech and uh, what you're excited for to see him develop up in Houghton. Well, it, it, let's face it, he had a lot of options, you know, with, uh, with his grade point average and everything else that he does. He had a lot of options deciding where he wanted to uh, go to school. Um, obviously, as a dad, I'm pleased that he's only uh, a little over an hour up the road, and uh, I'm going to be able to uh, uh, follow him and um, do everything like that. But, uh, you know, he set, a, he set a standard, and I got two more sons at home, and he set a standard for them, and I think that's important. Tell me about some ways that this class, it was Coach Sergila's first here at Westwood, how they've raised the bar for Westwood football. Yeah, and they did it. Hey, Coach Sergila had a huge piece of that, no doubt about it. Um, but these young men um, have raised the bar, and everybody that follows has to uh, try to measure up to that. And uh, I couldn't be prouder of uh, this group of young men, not just these three that are signing, um, but all of them, they, we, we just have a fantastic senior class this year. And um, when you have a good senior class, you have a good school year for sure. 
Tell me about the coaching staff at Michigan Tech, your interactions with them through the recruiting process, and uh, what you're looking forward to from them as they get a coach, Nathan. Yeah, well, Coach Olson was uh, um, very nice and, and met with us and did that. But uh, Coach Matlack has been uh, the recruiter for Nathan and probably these other two young men as well. And, you know, he's he's been frank and honest and in that he wants these kids to uh, come there and not only further their education, but help Michigan Tech football for years to come as well. So a uh, huge kudos to uh, Coach Metlack and the staff up at Tech because they, they did a great job in recruiting these young men. John, while I talked to the guys, I asked them about some of their favorite moments throughout their Westwood careers. Anything from you getting to watch them, any favorite moment for you that sticks out to you? Well, I don't know if there's a favorite moment, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been special for me uh, being the athletic director and being able to stand on the sideline and watch these young men not only grow up, um, but play on Friday nights underneath the lights and have success and, and do those things. Hey, and to be able to do that with my son, um, not everybody can do that, and it's special to me. John Beckman, athletic director at Westwood High School. Appreciate the time as always, John. Thank you. Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP, a chance to talk with Sam Gillis. He has just committed to continue his football and academic career at Michigan Tech. First of all, Sam, congrats. Looking forward to following your career up there. Tell me what made Michigan Tech the right choice for you. Um, well, when I went up on my visit, it was uh, great facilities, and I just felt the coaches were really good people. Um, they, they, you could tell they really cared about me. Um, helping me choose my major was a big thing. Um, they really just put a lot of thought and effort in, into my not only my football career but my academic career, and I thought that was really important. You got a couple of teammates that are going to be heading up there, join you. But do you start to get to know any of the other recruits from around the UP? Maybe you know, maybe some of the other incoming freshmen. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I played a lot. I played against a few of them. I played against um, Tucker Taylor. He signed today. Uh, I've been playing along sometimes alongside mostly against uh, Ethan Mardish my whole career um, so I know a few of the guys that's always nice um, on top of just my teammates knowing uh, a few other guys not from my school uh, it's really nice and I, I started talking to some of the guys just from downstate and in Wisconsin so it's really nice just to get to know your teammates before you uh, even go on the field. Tell me about some ways that the Westwood program has prepped you to be a college athlete coach Sergela on down your teammates the school as a whole. Um, well, Coach Serge, Coach Wilge, all the coaches have uh, helped me instill hard work is going to get you anywhere. And that's not only in football, that's in life. Uh, I, I, I felt I've worked my butt off not only in football but in wrestling and in, uh, in my academics and everything. And I just think that will get me, uh, do, help me uh, do good in college. When you look back at your career, your time here at Westwood, it doesn't have to be football-related, but what's one of the most special things that comes to mind when you think of the red, white, and blue? Uh, you know, just a lot of memories. Obviously not only football, but um, my friends, and uh, I'm glad that I get to go up them with, at Tech with them. Um, there's just a lot of good memories that I'm going to miss about this. Sam, as always, thanks for the time. Congrats again. Looking forward to following your career up there. All right, thank you. Congratulations to all athletes who signed their national letters of intent today, including Westwood, Sam Gillis, Blake Hewitt, and Nathan Beckman, all of them heading to Michigan Tech. The Huskies, they got quite a class of UP players coming in this year. We will take a break. We owe you our first time out. When we come back, I've got some LeVar Ball audio that you're going to want to hear. He's had some doozies, but this one tops them all. Next, the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with me on your Wednesday afternoon. We will meet a brand new friend of the show coming up at the bottom of the hour. But first, we've got some tea on LeVar Ball. He's been a little bit quiet, has he not, over the last few months? You wonder why that is. Maybe it's because... The greatest player in the world is now teammates with his son. But he's starting to heat up knowing that Lonzo's time in L.A. is limited. Lonzo is frequently linked to being trade bait for Anthony Davis. But LeVar Ball says that if that happens, his son may not even play, may not suit up for the Pelicans. He wants his son to go play for the Phoenix Suns. He wants his son to go play for the Phoenix Suns rather than the New Orleans Pelicans. He would rather Lonzo be teammates with Devin Booker rather than Drew Holiday. Now, LeVar Ball is all the worst parts of a sports parent. 
He said some things that are stupid, some things that are funny, some things that make you just roll your eyes. This next audio clip I have is going to do all that for you. He recently went on air with a Phoenix radio station, and the interview was a train wreck from the get-go. I've got the audio for you. We're going to break it down over this next segment. No rumors at all until two weeks ago. Then the Anthony Davis camp made it known that they want out and that they're not going to sign a contract extension with the New Orleans Pelicans. And immediately, LeBron James, according to some, acted because, here's what's interesting, it's LeBron's agent who represents Anthony Davis. Yes. So then the thought process is the Lakers are going to do whatever it takes to go get Anthony Davis. The Boston Celtics are saying, hold off, don't trade Anthony Davis. The Lakers are rumored to be trading Lonzo Ball to New Orleans, but the Pelicans haven't bid on it yet. And LeVar Ball is calling in right now on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line. He is the father of Lonzo Ball. LeVar, good morning. My name's Doug. This is Ron Wolfley. And uh, I got to know, Lonzo and the Suns. There's a supposed quote that you want to speak it into existence. Do you want to see Lonzo Ball as a Phoenix Sun? Yes, I do. How come? I gave the Lakers a, I gave the Lakers the first right of refusal. I said, get all three of my boys, and you got championships. They think I'm just talking. Lonzo and Jello and Melo had a best chemistry. The last time my sons was together, before they even went undefeated, I told people they couldn't be beat in high school, and they was babies. Now they grown men playing. Everybody six, 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 seven. We're gonna be six, eight. So guess what? We can switch everything on defense and run faster than anybody in the NBA on the fact that the chemistry is the best ever. So let's just think about that segment for a second. The Philadelphia 76ers were trusting the process a few years ago. A lot of people feel their process is complete after the trade they made in the wee hours of the morning today. LeVar Ball says the Lakers need to trust the process of getting all of his sons on the same team because their chemistry, the three Ball sons, are going to lead to championships in L.A. Not LeBron. Not getting LeBron. Not getting Anthony Davis and pairing those two together. It is getting the three sons of LeVar Ball. That's what's going to bring L.A. championships. Not only because of their chemistry, but because they get up and down the floor and they can run faster than anybody else. It doesn't matter if they're outsized in the NBA but because they have chemistry and they can get out and run. Let's hear more from LeVar. LeVar, why do you think Lonzo would be a better fit in Phoenix? Why? He's a, he's a better fit in Phoenix because they got some, some young athletes. They, they've been losing. They need a winning attitude. Uh, the Lakers gave my boy that losing attitude. If you look at my boys, one thing they do do is win. Being undefeated, Jello and Mello winning 60 games in a row. I mean, my boys don't lose too much. But when it got to the Lakers, they got that Luke Walton was the worst coach ever for Lonzo because he had a losing mentality. He'd been losing for three years. Well, the, that's that, what you develop losing. LeVar, that makes me nervous because if you want to talk losing, we're, we're the Phoenix Suns. Oh, it, it's, been a, it's been a decade since Steve Nash. Yeah. It so is time, it is, It's time for something new. The ball boys. Time for something new to change the whole culture over there. Now, do we have to trade half the team? Do we have to get, like, all three boys? Or can we just start with Lonzo and see how that goes? No, you don't see how it goes. I'm telling you how to go. If somebody told you how to make a cake, put all the recipe that goes in there. Don't be like, you know what, I'm just going to use the butter and the sugar and wait till we get on the flour. No. <laughs> Some guys are just amazingly quotable, and LeVar Ball supersedes that category. He wants Phoenix to trust the process the Lakers weren't willing to trust and get all three of his sons because that's the only way they're going to turn around the losing culture in Phoenix, where they haven't been relevant in well over a decade. He thinks that getting his sons all on the same team, with him watching like a hawk, controlling everything that happens behind the scenes, he believes that is what is going to change the culture in Phoenix. LeVar, LeVar, why why is it not working in L.A. for your son Lonzo? Why is it not working in L.A.? Because Lonzo, he makes everybody better. How can you make somebody better if you've got four people dribbling the ball up the court, you put him in the corner, you're trying to make him a, a three and D guy. He's never been no guy to just shoot threes and play hell of a defense. He's been a guy who controls the game. And you can't control the game if you're sitting on the bench and they're taking you in and out the game. 
The reason they start doing better, everybody's like, oh, Lonzo's finally getting it. No, everybody was hurt on the Lakers, and you start playing my boy 35 minutes and more, now you're getting some victories. We're talking to LeVar Ball, father of Lonzo Ball, and if you haven't heard, trade rumors say the Lakers want to trade him to New Orleans to be able to get Anthony Davis, and LeVar is saying, no, 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 New Orleans isn't the right fit. Bring him here to Phoenix and team him up with Devin Booker. If he does come, I mean, if this actually happens, you've spoken it into existence, and at some point in the next two days, Lonzo Ball is a son, will you be a distraction? Because we lose a lot here, and we've got a lot of problems. Yes. How am I going to be a distraction? I'm not even playing. Don't get mad at me because I'm a, a, a valuable guy as far as I got things going on. I got my own brand. Come on. I ain't going to never go away. That's just like having Nike and saying, okay, Nike, don't say nothing. Don't do nothing. LeVar, I'm going to keep going forward and people are going to keep their eyes on me on the fact that I got a lot of things going on. I'm just not the father of Lonzo. But LeVar. We got our own brand. We got our own water. We have growth. So you have to see me anyway. I got my own water. I've got my own way. And to his credit, he's got his own things going on. He's got big baller brand that probably still exists somewhere. He's trying to start some type of hybrid league where you can pay players instead of while preparing them for the NBA, instead of sending them to college. So he's got his own stuff. I get that. But it still doesn't keep him from being involved in what his son is doing more than he should be. I mean, he doesn't think he's a distraction. He got a high school coach who went 30-2 and two in one season fired. A rookie coach won 30 games at the high school level in California, got him fired because he didn't like him. That's not being a distraction? Are you kidding me? That's being more, that's being a hindrance. How'd you like to be LeVar Ball's lawyer? Yeah, for the most part, though, LeVar, honestly, yeah, wouldn't you say that you've been quiet this past season? I haven't heard I a lot from I've you. I've been quiet. I got, hey, go to your nearest Albertsons and see my water. I can't have been too quiet. I just had the JBA tour. I've been overseas. But you know. over here in high school. Yeah, so but LeVar, you're a smart you guy. You know. Listen, you know what I'm talking about, though. You haven't, no, I don't know you haven't been about. talking a lot about Lonzo and the fact that it's not going well in L.A. And LeBron's well, there. I don't have to talk about something when you can see it. And when Lonzo's not playing, ain't nobody in the stands. When that game, when Lonzo's not playing the game a, a, a lot of minutes, that game is raggedy as hell. Because so I you ain't got to tell me nothing. I don't have to be over there complaining like no baby talking about, oh, it's not going good. It don't look good. Hey, do what you want to do. Like I told him before, if you trade my son, it'd be the worst thing you ever did for your franchise. I'm, I guarantee it. Here's my. Here's where I'm worried, Lavar, and it's this. If Luke Walton is a terrible coach, as you said, and I admit I've never been there to to know, if Luke Walton is a terrible coach, we're not doing a lot better. So when you say you're not a distraction, if if Igor is a terrible, you're not doing a lot better. If I tell you what, if a coach gets behind Lonzo and has confidence in him, I'm cool because that's when he's very successful. He's been successful in AAU, high school, college because the guys were behind him 110 percent. His half don't work. LeVar Shorter here. I don't care if the coach is bad because Lonzo is going to make him look good as long as he's behind him. That's a lie because you look back to high school, and again, he got a 30-2 and two coach fired because he complained to the administration. If you think Lonzo, oh, he has to be grooming, he can play basketball, he wins. But if you don't get behind him and you don't have no confidence and you don't start him in the fourth quarter and you take him in and out, he don't have no confidence in you. So yeah. now he just does his job and goes about his way. LeVar. One thing my boys do is win. Yes, LeVar. Why do you think it wouldn't work in New Orleans? Why would it not work there? Why do I don't think it worked? They already got Drew Holiday. We don't want to go to New Orleans. Yeah, but if your son... And even if my son gets traded to New Orleans, you can't make him play. We're not going to New Orleans. I'd rather go somewhere where you want to be. That's how things start. So New Orleans ain't going to be looking to get all three of my boys. Phoenix, they might have a chance to get all three of my boys and win these championships and understand what winning's about. But I need all three of my boys on the court because that's 60% of the team that's in the winning and not worrying about how much money they're going to make. LeVar, if we get all three and, yeah. don't, and don't win, what will you do? Hey, 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 if you get all three, I guarantee you will get championships. If I don't, I will jump off the roof on my knees. I won't even put my feet down. LeVar, LeVar, wh- why do you think it would work Lonzo, your son, with Devin Booker? Why would that be a good pairing? A good parent with Devin Booker? Yes. Listen, Lonzo will make him better. Right now, he don't play defense like that. 
But what Lonzo will allow him to play defense, this is what I'm looking at. If you got DeAndre Ayton fast as heck running down the court, he can beat every center in the league down the court. You got Devin Booker on one side, put Jello on the other side, and Melo in the middle. I guarantee we'll beat everybody. Just run it because everybody can shoot. I don't know which of that segment was my favorite part of the entire audio, but it was either the part where he said Lonzo is going to make Devin Booker a better player or where he guarantees getting all three of his sons will lead to championships, not just winning or being relevant, which they haven't been for over a decade, but winning championships, bringing the NBA championship to Phoenix. I'm wondering, now, Wolf asked you a little bit ago about you being quiet as far as, think about all the things you said while Alonzo was at UCLA. Think about all the yeah. things you said in the first year of Lonzo with the Lakers. This year, yeah. you haven't said as much. Uh, were you like, were you a little afraid of LeBron? Like the reaction I'm LeBron would have? LeBron. I'm not afraid of Jesus. What are you talking about? You heard that right. Not only is LeVar Ball not afraid of LeBron, he's not even afraid of Jesus. Because LeVar Ball thinks that he's bigger than God. I know that sense is going to mean different things to different people, but that's a little bit too far, isn't it? Everybody's saying you're not hearing nothing from me. But listen, if I'm over in Europe, you guys can't even get over there. You don't have a budget to get over there and hang out with me. So you can't feel what I'm saying over in Russia and London. I'm having a good time. <laughs> LeVar. I had a European team over there. Then I come back to Cleveland. I'm over here in Cleveland. When LeBron left, I bring a ball boy here. Now we in the state of Cleveland. And you're talking about come over here and talk to me. But I don't have to be in certain places for everybody to say, oh, LeVar is afraid of LeBron. What is LeBron going to do to me? I'm old enough to be his father. I got good insight to let him know how his game can go up. He no. plays very well with Lonzo. But you're playing LeBron 30 minutes. You need to be playing him 40 minutes with Lonzo. If you want to play him 30, how about you play him the first three quarters without taking him out and let him rest the fourth quarter? Boom. LeVar Ball just solved the Lakers' problems. He just gave Luke Walton a blueprint on how to coach and be successful as the head coach in the NBA, more specifically if the Los Angeles Lakers play LeBron for the first three quarters straight and then let him rest the fourth quarter. That's enough LeVar Ball for today. We're up against a break. When we come back, brand new friend of the show, trades flying everywhere as we hit the NBA trade deadline next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Here is your Sports Center update. With an assist last night, Alex Ovechkin breaks the record for most NHL points by a Russian-born player. He surpasses Sergei Fedorov. The New England Patriots have hired former Tampa Bay head coach Greg Schiano as their new defensive coordinator. He replaces Brian Flores. And finally, Southern Mississippi is at odds. They are no longer considering former Baylor head coach Art Bryles for their vacant offensive coordinator job, but the school's head coach Jay Hobson publicly is at odds with the school, saying he doesn't like the decision and he wants Bryles on his staff. I'd love to hear his reasoning why you would want Art Bryles and his baggage at your school. We have a brand new friend of the show in studio with us. John Michael Hofling is the new sports anchor at ABC Marquette. He replaces our beloved Rachel Zerby, who will be taking her talents elsewhere. John Michael, thanks for being here, man. Great to meet you. Welcome to the UP. Of course. Thank you for having me, Tanner. Glad to be here. You came in at a good time because you missed the polar vortex up here when it was down to negative 20. And I, I, wish I, could, I wish about. I could say I missed that, but I, I got to experience it all just the same. It's still pretty cold, and John Michael's from California, so yeah. it's... I'm it's not, definitely not used to that. Definitely I got a picture the other day. Some of my friends are enjoying 76-degree weather right mm. now, so, mm, yeah. right? Yeah. It's you right there. Well, he uh, also came in at the right time because the NBA trade deadline is upon mm -hmm. us. And by tomorrow, you get the feeling that there are going to be a lot of pieces that are be, going to be moving here. Well, everyone's been focused on Anthony Davis and where he's going to go. A few trades have kind of snuck under the radar, maybe, kind of flown uh, by everybody, including the Woj bomb that we woke up to around 2 a.m. last night. The Philadelphia 76ers decided they are going all in for a ring this year. They're kind of doing what the Los Angeles Rams did in a way, and they're going after Tobias Harris, and they pick him up in the wee hours of the morning. They get him from the Clippers. He dropped 34 points last night in his final game in a Clipper uniform. 
and he's a great talent. He's going to bring a lot mm-hmm. to the table for Philadelphia, a team that's already in contention for the East. I don't know, though, if this was the right move on Elton Brand's part. For one thing, he's a rookie GM. He went out and he signed two players, didn't start the year with them, that aren't expiring contracts. They're going to be free agents by this summer and could walk. You had Jimmy Butler and now Harris. I don't think they're going to bring both of them back, especially when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are going to be due for max contracts. I get why they're doing it, but for Elton Brand's sake, they better go out and win a ring this year. I wouldn't say they have to win a ring. I mean, the whole trust the process situation is still a thing. As long as they get farther than where they were last year, I think the city of Philadelphia will embrace it. I think the only team right now that really threatens them in the East, though, is the Milwaukee Bucks. I love the Toronto Raptors, but I just don't think they have the the, the, the strength on the bench. I love their starting five, but just when you get down to it, they're going to be tired out over the course of a seven-game series. With the addition of Tobias Harris, that not only increases your potency from beyond the arc, but it just adds another layer of depth. Yeah, you had to trade away some of your pieces, some of your picks, some of your future, but I think it gives you a much better chance to win a ring this year. Salary cap is starting to shorten up a little bit. Do you think they're going to bring back both Butler and Harris? And if not, which one do you let go? Because you've got to keep one of them, don't you? Yeah, you're going to keep one of them, and they're not going to bring back both. There's no chance that they're going to bring back both, right? With Especially, as you said, with Simmons and Embiid, both set to make max contracts, and they're the two key parts. I think, I think you've got to bring back Harris, though. Harris would be the cheaper option, first of all, which allows you more space to maybe add some more depth or add more or, add, or give a, one of your young core players a larger contract in the future. And also, Butler just has that attitude problem. It brought down all the Minnesota Timberwolves. It brought down the Chicago Bulls for a little bit. And he can help you win a title here, but after that, if he's done his job, he got his ring that he wanted, I think you've got to let him go after that. Where does this put Philadelphia in the race for the Eastern Conference? Where do they realistically finish now that they've made this move? In terms of at the end of the postseason yeah, or in where terms in the of playoffs are they in the, be? Okay, or as a seed? Like I think as a seed, we're starting to see it take shape. I think nobody's going to catch Toronto and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I think they're the top two, Boston, Philadelphia, three and four. But when the playoffs are all said and done and everything shook out and we have our NBA Finals matchup, where's Philadelphia going to sit after making this trade? I think Philadelphia is going to lose in the semifinals of the Eastern Conference mm. to the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. I just think Ante the Kumpo is a force that they can't handle. you got Chris Middleton, also one of the most vastly underrated players in the league. So if they can get past Milwaukee, I think they're winning the East. I think they're winning the East easy. I think they match up just too well against the Toronto Raptors. Kawhi's a great player. Valanciunas is great. But they just don't have the depth, and they don't have, they don't have the same caliber of players at each position as the 76ers do in their starting five. I think Milwaukee just doesn't – I, I don't think Milwaukee does either, but Antetokounmpo is just so great, so talented, that he's going to carry them ahead of the Philadelphia 76ers. I think he's better than Kawhi. So if they – they're going to lose to the Bucks, in my opinion, in the second round, right? But if they get past the Bucks, they're winning the East. John Michael Hoefling is the new sports anchor at ABC Marquette. He's in studio with us for Rachel Zerby. Bucks were just involved with the trade mm-hmm. as they pick up Stanley Johnson from the Pistons and Detroit gets Thon Maker. I'm a little surprised by this move. I know Thon Maker didn't want to be there, but I don't see Milwaukee bringing back uh, Lopez in the long term. I don't see him being a long-term fit in Milwaukee. Maker, I thought, might be the heir apparent. I know he struggled and not really lived up to the hype that was put on him. But did you really want Stanley Johnson out of it? Because he certainly hasn't lived up to the hype either. Well, like like I said, well, like I said to you during the break, this is one of those trades that just doesn't really make sense to me. It, I mean, you can see where they're coming from. It's like one piece for another piece of similar talent levels. I think Thon Maker's a little bit has a little more potential, a higher ceiling than Stanley Johnson. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yeah, but Stanley Johnson, I think, is a safer piece, and he want he. He wants to be in Milwaukee, at least. So that sort of helps his value for the Bucks. at least. He just wants to work toward a certain goal with the rest of the team. And as you mentioned with Lopez's contract, I don't think Lopez is going to be a pivotal part moving forward. I think that they can find a ton of people, whether it's in the draft or in the upcoming free agent classes, a lot of deep uh, pieces in the free agent classes coming up, that can replace Lopez's talents. This might be out there, but I wonder if the Bucks know something that we don't. Because they're in the market for trying to land Anthony Davis, and he's one of the four teams that AD says he would re-sign with. Do you think they'd make this move and they'd take a gamble on who could be their next big man, their big man of the future, without knowing maybe there's a little bit of inside info to Anthony Davis? I mean, 
there's always some that we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I get the feeling with the Knicks, too, with the moves they've been making. Yeah, so the Knicks, unlike the Bucks, are, of course, in the rebuilding phase. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks, I think the Bucks are ready to win a championship right now. So going all-in on Anthony Davis wouldn't be the right move, in my opinion, because they could win with what they have right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe not beat the Warriors, but if a team in the West could somehow beat the Warriors, I think the Bucks could win the championship, right? So... Going for Anthony Davis just wouldn't make any sense. The Knicks, on the other hand, I think going for Anthony Davis would be an incredible move. The Lakers doesn't make sense, in my opinion. The Lakers are betting on bidding against themselves, right? So what were you saying about the Knicks? Like, I feel that the move that they made with sending Przingis down to mm-hmm. Dallas, I don't know that they would do that unless they didn't have something specific in mind with all that free salary cap space that I just feel like they know something that we don't yet. Maybe only Woj would be the only person outside of the organization who knows right now. I just got a feeling that they know something we don't. They have something up their sleeve, maybe an inside track toward Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, somebody to pair him up with Zion Williamson because we know he's probably going to be taken number one overall mm-hmm. by the Knicks this year. I just feel like they they know something. They've got the inside track on something that makes them this confident to make that move with Porzingis. Well, keep in mind that New York is one of the most livable places in terms of it's got the most to do. NBA players want to play there. Everybody wants to play in MSG, right? Mm-hmm. So coming in the upcoming offseason, New York, no matter how terrible the team has been, no matter how bad their management has been, everybody's going to want to play for them. They have the history. They have all the amenities. So a player like Durant, like Kyrie Irving, like even Clay Thompson, who I think would be a great fit in that organization. As a Warriors fan, that hurts me to say, but um, and I think they could get several of them. I think they could get both KD and Kyrie. Mm. They have the cap space for it. They do. Yeah. And I think that that would be a better deal than trying to trade away your pieces for somebody like Anthony Davis. But that being said, I think Anthony Davis is younger, better, mm-hmm. play is more versatile than I have both KD and Ky- Okay, he's not better than KD. He's better than Kyrie in my opinion. But would you build a team around AD over Kevin Durant if you could? Well, you're only going to have Kevin. I mean, Kevin Durant is what? 29? 29. 29, yeah. So he's got maybe six years left mm-hmm. in like his tip top form, unless you're LeBron, unless he's like LeBron. In right. which case, LeBron's got like four more years. But I don't see that being the case with KD. KD doesn't have the strength, the, the, the same girth that LeBron does. Whereas Anthony Davis is still under twenty five, if I'm if I'm mm-hmm. correct, or he's just twenty five. Yeah, yeah twenty five. So he's still got several years. If I'm if I'm a GM, not only does Anthony Davis fill a center position, but he can also play forward. He can play three. So I just think AD is the way better person to build a team around. I would too in this situation because they're both arguably top five talents. I personally think Durant is the second best overall player in the NBA. You can make the case for AD being top five, certainly top ten, and he's younger, like you said. I would build around Anthony Davis if I had the choice between him and Durant. What about the Celtics, though? Do they have a shot at landing Anthony Davis in the offseason? Because they can put together the best package of anybody. They're going to put together something much better than the Lakers ever could. But will Anthony Davis still be on the block by the summer? And will he want to stay in Boston? I I think it's been pretty clear that Anthony Davis doesn't want to to go to Boston. Mm -hmm. I mean, his father made that pretty clear. And as has been the case with, with a lot of teams in the past, when somebody doesn't want to go someplace, even if they do, like, look at... The best example I can think of is Matt Holliday. Uh, he got traded, or he got signed by the Oakland Athletics. And I can't remember what season from the Colorado Rockies. And his dad, just straight after that, was like, A's? Why'd you go to the A's? And guess what? Midway through that season, gets traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, has a great career. Mm-hmm. So even if somebody doesn't want to go to a team, if they're forced to go or they end up going, it just never seems to go right. I mean, you look at Jimmy Butler this year. I mean, he did want to go to the Timberwolves after the Bulls wanted to be with Tibbs. But um, just didn't work out, didn't, didn't enjoy being there. So as soon as somebody says they don't want to be somewhere, they're going to go into it with a bad attitude. And you make the most of what it is, right? It, your opinion of something is going to dictate how something goes. And his opinion of Boston isn't too great, so I don't see much happening if he goes to Boston. As a Celtics fan, I've got myself into this mindset that if there's any player you can't afford to lose that you hold on to no matter what, it's Jason Tatum. And after him, it'd probably be Jalen Brown and maybe even Marcus Smart. They've shown last year they can live without Kyrie Irving and be Mm -hmm. successful without him, as good of a player as he is. But 
Jason Tatum has been one of the guys that's been mentioned about being on the trade block in exchange for Anthony Davis. Would it be a mistake by Danny Ainge to do so? Oh, absolutely. You made you, they, you guys made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and yeah. only lost because of LeBron. So to trade away all of those pieces from that team last year, you have one of the best coaches in the league right now, one of the best young coaches, not to mention, in Brad Stevens. So trading away all of those pieces for a guy like Anthony Davis, it would be a great marketing move, but it wouldn't be good for the team in the long term. And this is a city, that's a city that is brimmed with excellence in sports. Mm-hmm. And bringing in Anthony Davis would create a lot of headlines, would create a lot of hype, but as, as has been the case with a lot of Anthony Davis's career, he puts up stats but doesn't put up wins. John Michael Hoefling in the studio with us. He's the new sports anchor at ABC Marquette. We're up against a break when we come back. Are the Lakers still bidding against themselves? And if so, is their trade value going down? Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling in the studio with you as we wind you down to the 5 o'clock hour. Well, the Lakers are still in the bidding for Anthony Davis. He's made it clear he wants to be there. They've made it clear that they want him, and they've been willing to sell the whole house as long as it doesn't include LeBron. They have decided to pull back a little bit. As of yesterday afternoon, they're tired of bidding against themselves. But how much value do the guys that they are willing to sell actually have? Like, you look at what happened last night, and they were blown out. It was the worst loss of LeBron's professional career. The Pelicans look at this Laker team, and they see, this is going to be us. They see this team, even with LeBron, getting blown out by 30-plus points, and they say, if we make this trade and we lose our best player, this is going to be us. We're going to be this team for the near future. That's why we want somebody of all-pro caliber like Jason Tatum. And he's been the only one other than, reportedly, Porzingis for New York, which they turned down largely Mm -hmm. in part because he was hurt. Jason Tatum's been the only one that comes close to that upper echelon of NBA talent. I don't blame the Pelicans for not wanting to make this move. I know they're asking a lot, but you look at the Laker team, and it's hard to think that this team that we're seeing with LeBron, without LeBron, how much they're struggling, that's going to be them if they make this move, and they're not getting enough back for their top player. I got a different mindset. Do you? They're already that team. <laughs> they're already they're already not winning that many games. They're already getting blown out by. So the, it could get the, worse. It, it could get worse, but at the same time, you're getting draft picks. You're getting a group of young core players, a lot more young core players, and they're not at the same town level, not even near the same town level. But I would have to say that a starting five that consists of Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and Brandon Ingram, all three of which have been reportedly on the trade block for Lakers, if, I, if I'm correct. <laughs> A starting five that includes those three would be more daunting than a starting five that just includes Anthony Davis. And you take a look at what Anthony Davis has, has brought to the Pelicans. One, one or two playoff appearances, no series, uh, one series win. He did sweep the Trailblazers mm-hmm. last year. But even with a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, an all-pro talent like DeMarcus Cousins, couldn't bring much to the table. So I think you take these guys, Kyle Kuzma, of course, coming third in Rookie of the Year last year, or fourth, mm-hmm. and Lonzo Ball, who is just drastically improved every aspect of his game from his rookie season. Brand Egram, who's vastly underrated and a pivotal part to what the success, in air quotes, that the Lakers have had thus far. It, it makes sense, in my opinion. I, I think that the Pelicans are asking for too much, and I think that the Lakers are giving up too much with this trade. I think that the Pelicans would win the trade as it stands thus far. You brought up Lonzo Ball, and his father is starting to come back into the news again. He made it very clear that he doesn't want Lonzo to go play New Orleans. I don't know if that's the case, but he went on radio in Phoenix yesterday because that's where he wants his son to go play, and he said that even if Lonzo goes to the Pelicans, that doesn't mean he has to play. He doesn't have to suit up for the Pelicans. How much does that weigh on the minds of Alvin Gentry and the New Orleans front office? I think it weighs a lot. As has been the case through most of Lonzo's career, his dad has a big effect. But I think Lonzo's starting to grow away from it. I mean, we hadn't heard anything from LeVar until this news came out. Lonzo's starting to develop an identity separate from his dad, which I think a young NBA player needs. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to think that he would listen to his dad in that case because he needs to make money. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's hurt LaMelo and LiAngelo's cases for the NBA by sending him to Lithuania. So I think that Lonzo has his own ideas, and I, I highly doubt 
if he got traded to the Pelicans, he would just refuse to play. I mean, that hasn't worked out for anybody mm-hmm. this season, uh, especially, in, uh, I mean, just look at the NFL. Le'Veon Bell lost trade value. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Donald lost value. The, the Rams aren't going to be able to keep all their core pieces. They, they blew their chance at the Super Bowl as a, as a Super Bowl legacy, a dynasty, a chance to return to the Super Bowl next year because Jared Goff's still on his rookie contract. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to get paid. So in terms of holding out, it's just a bad idea all around, and I think Lonzo needs to know that. And if he doesn't know that, then that needs to be on Gentry's mind. I wonder what any kind of scenario, I know LeVar wants to speak into existence, that's what he said he's going to do to try and get Lonzo to become a Phoenix Sun here in a couple of days after the trade deadline. I don't know what scenario it would take to make that happen, but what would be a better fit for Lonzo as a player? Would it be being with Devin Booker, being teammates with him? Or Drew Holiday? Which player would make Lonzo better, and which would he complement better? Well, I sort of get a Rajon Rondo feel from Lonzo. I think that that's his, what his peak would be. Mm. Somebody like Rajon Rondo, maybe a little bit of a better shooter than what Rondo was, but a worse inside scorer than Rondo was. Lonzo's key attributes are his defense and his ability to pass the ball. And he's got some turnover issues, but I think he's shoring those up. So putting him on a team with a lot of other scoring options, a team like... I think Dallas would be good. I think Dennis Smith, uh, well, not not Dennis Smith Jr. anymore, but Luka Doncic and uh, Porzingis. Mm-hmm. And I think even Harrison Barnes can be a scoring option mm-hmm. when he needs to be the, in, in that situation. And even Wesley Matthews when he gets hot. Mm-hmm. So I think a team like Dallas and a team like Phoenix would both be very good fits. And I think Dallas is one of those teams that's working toward the future. I think Doncic, Doncic is going to be a key part. And I think Lonzo Ball would fit in great as long as he can you know, fit in with the Mavericks. One of the teams that has shown interest in Anthony Davis is the Toronto Raptors. And lately they've been talking about putting together packages that could include Kyle Lowry, their second best player, a guy who likes taking on the Robin role and being somebody else's Robin while they get to be Batman. Mm -hmm. And he does it really well. They Mm -hmm. do well in that uh, kind of a formation. Anthony Davis did not list Toronto as one of the teams that he would re-sign with after his contract expires next season. But if they land Anthony Davis... Does that, A, put Toronto over the top and make them the favorite in the East? And if so, and if for whatever reason they're able to win the East, win the NBA Finals, Anthony Davis might have a hard time walking away from that. I, I, I doubt that Toronto, that wouldn't make Toronto the favorite in my This is a point guard league. Mm-hmm. All the best teams in the league have good point guards. Not necessarily good point guards, but good people to take the ball down, car, down court. Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard is sort of that guy, but not exactly. The Milwaukee Bucks have sort of found it with... Giannis Antetokounmpo, he can sort of take the ball up court, and that sort of allowed the offense to keep rolling with the Bucks. But you need you need that leader, you need that guy to have the ball, set up a play, and set up a score. And the Toronto Raptors have that with Kyle Lowry. He's one of the best in the business at it. Getting rid of that piece, I think, would doom them in a sense. I think it would actually be worse. Anthony Davis is often injured, can't do that. He's just a guy that sits there at the post, and yes, he can shoot from the outside if that formation needs it, or if he's setting up a screen, he can work the pick and roll really well. But He's not somebody that can facilitate an offense. He's just an attribute to the point guard. They need Kyle Lowry. John Michael Hoefling is in the studio with us, new anchor at ABC Marquette. So we've gone over the situations. Two days from now, when the NBA trade deadline is passed, what uniform will Anthony Davis be wearing? Is he going to stick around in NOLA, or is he going to be headed somewhere else? He's going to be wearing the Pelicans. You think so? Yeah. All right. I think that they're they're asking for way too much. I don't think anybody is, what's the word, desperate Mm -hmm. enough to give up all of their pieces. They're just going to try to play for him uh, during the offseason and hope for the best. When you look back at this maybe in the summer, say the Pelicans like Boston's offer better. You know, Davis might not want to go to Boston, but they have no obligation to heed his wishes. They want the best package they can get back, and Boston might be the team that can offer that. But what if they look back this summer, things don't pan out the way they were hoping to, Boston decides they're not going to be interested in making this trade, and they realize they left the best offer on the table with L.A. Because I don't know how much better the offers are going to get from the Lakers, at least one that they're going to agree to. And maybe Danny Ainge is going to come out and say this summer, He's not interested in parting ways with Tatum. Maybe Al Horford is going to continue his hot streak. You're going to be okay with where he, he's not Anthony Davis, but he's still mm-hmm. a capable big man. Veteran right leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's, it's a win-win situation for the Pelicans, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't get a trade, you still have one of the best players in the world, and you can build around him. 
he's proven that he can get to the playoffs at least. Hasn't necessarily had the parts. I think he needs a point guard. He needs a solid, serious point guard. I'm not. I haven't really looked at the college depth charts thus far and seen who could be a match with him. But you can definitely draft toward that, especially if you're a team that finishes outside the playoffs. If you get the lucky lottery pick, you can end up in the top five. So I think the Pelicans are in a situation where they can't lose. Either they get a bunch of pieces and a bunch of picks, or they keep Anthony Davis, one of the best players in the world. Build around him, get him a point guard, get him somebody who can facilitate an offense. I think Alvin Gentry is a fine head coach. I don't think there's any issues with that. But if you can do that, you'll be a team to be reckoned with for years. Anthony Davis is still in his prime, entering his prime, in fact. So I don't think they're in any rush to get, to get him out of town, and I don't think if they leave the best offer on the table, they'll be too upset. Right now the offer is two first-round picks from the Lakers. They want four. Now the thing is, how much do you trust the Pelicans' front office? Because, yes, they're stockpiling on draft picks. They're in a similar situation as the Oakland Raiders with John Gruden right now. But picks aren't going to win you games. Hitting on those picks and getting the right players are going to do it. Anybody in college right now you think could be a good fit with the Pelicans? I mean, everybody's going to want Zion Williamson, but... Could they tank enough to get some guy like R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish, like you were talking about, a few guards? Oh, they could absolutely do that. Tanking is, tanking is a staple in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the four first round, they're asking the wrong team for that. Mm-hmm. LeBron's only going to be around for three more years after this, right? Mm-hmm. And they're trying to build toward the future. They know that there's going to be a post-LeBron era. At least they should know that. So I think at most the Lakers can only give up three first round draft picks because they know that LeBron's going to move on and they know that after LeBron moves on, they need to have one of the, a top-tier player that they can grab. So I think three first-round picks would be the most that the Lakers would be willing to give up. And in terms of the Pelicans and what they can get, they can abso- yeah, the, they need to grab a guard, and they can absolutely tank to that point. Running short on time, here's the last thing I have for you today. If somehow it works out that Anthony Davis gets to join the Lakers within this week, where does that put the Lakers by the end of the season? What seed are they looking at in the Western Conference, or do they still make the playoffs? I had them finishing as a seven seed before the season started, mm-hmm. and they're finishing worse than that. With the addition of Anthony Davis, I would see them as a seven seed again, losing in the second round. I think they'd be able to get past the Denver Nuggets, who mm-hmm. lack the star capability to win the playoffs, in my opinion. But still, a seven seed losing in the second round, nothing to be too scared about. John Michael Hofling is the new sports anchor at ABC Marquette, newest friend of the show as well. Appreciate you being here. Looking forward to having you on more. Thank you for having me. That's it for us in the sports pen. Will Kane follows us. Thanks for tuning in on ESPN-UPWZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.